We'll try that again. Good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. And I hope uh, you never grow tired of being with God's people uh, on his day, worshiping together and uh, drawing strength and knowledge and instruction from our Lord and being stirred to walk out of this place shining as a light for Jesus. Today is a good day, and we are blessed. Lord in heaven, would you please take these uh, few minutes as we reflect on your word that you would uh, imprint your truth in our heart, and may we understand, and may we walk in your light. In Christ's name, amen. It's uh, nice being here over Christmas. We often are not here at Christmas time. And uh, the, 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 the reminders of Christmas are pretty, uh, they're all over the place, aren't they? Uh, whether we're here at church, uh, beautiful Christmas music. Um, in Zimbabwe, things are a little bit different. You might walk down the shopping area and you might see some decorations and you might have the three wise men but right next to the three wise men you might have Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse happened to be available for some kind of a display. Very often you'll find as you're walking in, in, in the city someone randomly will walk up and will greet you and will say Christmas box, Christmas box. And basically, he is saying, though he doesn't know you, he's saying, come on, I really would like a gift from you. This is Christmas, right? Now, uh, it's not very often that, that we have something to give them, but as, as we come to this passage of Scripture today, I want you to recognize that there is something in the teaching of Jesus that is very much a Christmas box to all who ask for it. And uh, Christmas is certainly about the birth of Christ, but the birth of Christ is what? The birth of Christ is driven by the purpose of God to bring salvation, reconciliation through the cross, and it's not simply for you and for me or for the Jewish people to whom Jesus, into whom Jesus was born. But that purpose of God extends to all mankind. Every nation, every people, every tribe, every language is being offered a beautiful Christmas box. So let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And we've got a, a passage here where we find a key piece of the Lord Jesus' thoughts as it relates to missions, as it relates to God's purpose in this world. And he gives some very clear statements, simple and straightforward, and we're just going to touch on them but then he gives some very, some crystal clear instruction. 
which follows from what he has shared. And so with the very simple outline, we are going to walk through this passage together. And I hope, listen, if our hearts are opened in faith and humility to the Lord's word, we're not going to miss, we're not going to miss what the Lord has for us this morning. So Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So if you were to read in the chapter before and in, the, in, 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 the, in the, what leads up to this point in Matthew's gospel, you'll see Jesus doing what? You'll see him teaching You'll see him preaching about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. You see him healing blind men, sick. You'll see him confronting the demonic. And so as Jesus has gone throughout the cities and villages, not simply in the capital, but going into the small towns and the cities around the land, He is teaching in the synagogues, in the places of worship. He is proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. He is healing diseases and afflictions. And what does 36 say? And when he saw the crowds, he had what? And when Jesus saw the crowds who now were following him everywhere he went. He had compassion. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus has been all around. He's been engaging in ministry of different kinds, where the kingdom of God is central to that. And he sees the people as harassed and unable to contend with their own situations, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. We're going to show you a little bit of, uh, at lunchtime, we're going to show you some, uh, some, some slides uh, and share with you a little bit about what this past couple of years has been like. And you will see, you will see very clear uh, situations where the people are absolutely helpless. They are absolutely blown around by things that they have no control of. They are harassed and oppressed, and life is hard, hard, hard. And if Jesus is there, and he is, he is moved with compassion for the people in Zimbabwe. For the same reasons, he was moved with compassion for the people in in Israel. But you know what? A couple of weeks ago, I was with 
a friend. And uh, early, early in the morning, we were walking on the streets of his neighborhood. And there on the street, beautiful homes, manicured, well cared for, freshly painted, in just a picture-perfect world we were walking through. And we get to one house, and he says, oh, these folks here, their marriage is on the rocks, so they're in the process of divorce. We go a little bit further, oh, over here, the, the wife is dying of cancer. It's been protracted. She's, she's, that home is sad and sick and in pain. Walk down the path a little bit further, and over here, the, the kids in this home, they are off, off on a wild, self-destructive track. And as we walked, it became apparent, regardless of what the outside looked like, inside every home had a story. Every home has a heartbreak. Every home has pain. Every home has trouble. Every home has some sense of being harassed or helpless. Jesus not only saw their heartache, but Jesus saw them as sheep who were lacking the guidance and the protection and the care of a shepherd. One who would take them beside the still waters. One who would lead them by quiet streams. One who would take them to green pasture. One who would, with, with, with staff, walk with them through the dark and dangerous places. See, Jesus saw them with compassion, but Jesus saw them as having a need which went beyond simply meeting their physical needs. And as we walk in our neighborhood, we need to recognize that those who surround us are men and women and children and young people who not only have needs in their life and sometimes a great deal of pain, they also have a, have a need for guidance. They have a need for truth. They have a need for direction and how to be reconciled with God. Some of you have told me of your, your, in, in your work, you were taken into places and into homes where you meet with people who, who are so desperately lonely, who are on the verge of committing suicide, just throwing it all up. What's the use of it all? Why bother? Folks, we encounter people every day of our lives, whether it's in our families or in our homes or in our neighborhood or in our workplaces or in our schools. We encounter people who are sheep needing guidance and protection from the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep, who came as a baby, God incarnate brought into humanity, that he might give himself for us on the cross, providing forgiveness of sins and life eternal to those who in faith embrace him. So Jesus was moved with compassion, recognizing those around and those who were coming to him as sheep needing a shepherd. And what does he say? Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, 
And he makes a couple of statements. One is, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. To his disciples, with the people around and reflecting on what they have been experiencing in the, in, in the prior weeks, understand, the harvest is plentiful. The needs are great. The sheep need a shepherd. They need to be led. Diseases need to be healed. Demons need to be cast away. The kingdom needs to be preached. The good news given. The harvest is plentiful. So the people are harassed and helpless. Sheep without a shepherd. We had a privilege a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, to take a trip to the Zambezi Delta. Now, the Zambezi Delta is where the river of the Zambezi River cuts across uh, the middle of Africa, across the northern border of Zimbabwe, and as it goes through Mozambique, it comes to the Indian Ocean. And as it comes to the Indian Ocean, it spreads out wide. And there are many, many channels of water in this delta. And on those, between those channels, there are islands. And on these islands, there are villages. Now, these, this delta is only two or three meters above sea level. It's very lowland. There's a lot of water around. The people on these islands have lived there living off of rice paddies that they grow around them, living off of fish in the water, living off the coconuts. They are cut off from the rest of, the rest of civilization. They, don't, they have a language that is not translated. It's not written. Thankfully, there are a small band of Christian, of, 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 of missionaries who are in a town upriver, about a 20-minute flight by helicopter, but a three-day paddle upstream with a canoe, a cut-out uh, cut canoe. The people living on the delta have been isolated from the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've been isolated from health care and services. They've been isolated from, from, from education. If Jesus sees them, what does he see? He sees people who need to be healed. He sees people who need to, get, to, to be given knowledge and a chance. He sees people who need to understand the gift and the good news of the kingdom of Jesus. Now, who's going to take that to them? Who's going to offer that Christmas box to them? Thankfully, there are a few. There's a small band of missionaries, mostly women, Mozambican and, uh, and, and, and American and Brazilians, just a few of them up there who have had a heart for the Zambezi Delta. And they have combined with, with a, a flying mission based in South Africa, Mercy Air. And... and Every couple of months, Mercy Air sends a pilot up and a, and a helicopter, and for uh, for next two weeks, they take daily flights into different islands. And so they take one little team and drop them off 
uh, on one island, and it's a medical team. They're, they're giving basic health care and opportunities. And then they take another team that, that is a literacy team, another team that's an evangelistic team, and they hop back and forth and then come back to the base again. Praise God, there is some activity that is extending into this area, but it's, it's, it's so inadequate because there are so many of these islands and villages that never see anybody coming to them. And if they do come, it's weeks and weeks and weeks between each visit, and each visit is only very short. Friends, if Jesus looks at the Zambezi Delta, he's moved with compassion. He sees the needs, the physical, the, 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 the emotional, but he also sees the, the, the greatest need of all, to know Jesus and to, and, to, and to surrender to the reign of Christ in which there is life and forgiveness. So, we live in a world that is very far from, from where Jesus stepped onto earth. But some things are very similar, huh? And it doesn't matter whether it's in our neighborhood or in our family context, or in these deeply isolated parts of the world, and there are plenty of them that remain. Jesus is moved with compassion, and he sees the need of these shepherdless sheep. Then he makes another statement, and he says, the workers are still few. The harvest is great, the need is great. The readiness of people to, to respond is great. But the laborers, the workers, they're far too few. There's not enough people who are involved in, in, in pressing into the Zambezi Delta. Quite frankly, regardless of how much opportunity there is in this world, there are not enough people in your communities that are shining for Jesus, that are in the homes with a witness, that are helping those in need with a view to introducing them to the Christ. You see, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the call here is for you and I to live our life with an understanding that we're walking in a harvest field. We're not simply going to work. We're not simply getting together with our family. We're not simply taking a stroll in our neighborhood. We are in the midst of the field of God that is ripe and ready for harvest. Do you believe that? Yesterday, we drove about 45 minutes to a Christmas tree farm. Now we passed, I can't, for my own emotional well-being, I stopped counting how many places we could have bought trees at <laughs> between here and 45-minute drive. But you know, Nancy, she said, I want to go back to that place where we've been before. Why? Because I want to maintain a contact with the people that we've got to know there. You see, there's a, there's a, there's a harvest view in mind as she 
took us on this grand adventure. So Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. There are precious few that sign up to spend their lives in service of the gospel. Now, obviously, we're not all we're not all called to go across the ocean. We're not all called to be the pastor. We're not all called to, to serve in the, in, the, in the mission in Morristown. But there aren't enough people who are signing up for that kind of focus in their life and vocation. And when they do, there are often real challenges with regard to the resources necessary. The workers are few. We, we, we live uh, in an agricultural society in Zimbabwe, and much of it is small-scale, just subsistence farming. But as you get into a little bit of a bigger operation, what do we find? We observe that there are there, there, there are people who do the planning and the preparation and provide, and, and provide the necessary equipment and, 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 and direction. And they gather together those who are able to go into the field and do the harvesting, picking, the cutting, the gathering. And then there are others that come along and, 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 and they bring the wagons or the tractor and they, it's hauled on there. And then there are others that take it to where they're going to be stored, from where they're going to be dispensed and sold. Even small operations, there's need for all kinds of people engaged in the process. But everybody shares in the joy of the master. Everybody is part of it. Every part is needed. Then the Lord Jesus said this, therefore, so the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore, because of these truths, because of these things that we bear witness to, because of these things that we understand to be real in our lives here, therefore, what? Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out leaders where? Into his harvest. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, As I said earlier, this is one of the core teachings of Jesus with regard to the purpose of God in this world. This is one of the core teachings of Jesus with regard to missions as we know it. And what does he call us to? Pray that God, who owns the field, who owns the harvest, who will gather the grain for his glory and purposes, pray to him that he would what? Send workers. And friends, 
I think sometimes this is a much neglected part of God's command to you and to me. I'm thankful every time I look at the, at the prayer guide for the church. There is that, that, that section there which says pray to God. I forget quite how it's put, but pray that God would raise up what? People to, from this congregation to pursue ministry as pastors and missionaries. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. That's our marching instructions. Now as we pray that, the reality is we pray with one attitude or another. And I don't think the attitude that Christ is, 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 is soliciting is an attitude of pray that God would send somebody else over there to do that thing that I don't want to do. <laughs> you see, there, there, there is, there's a call here to embrace the mission and the purpose of God. But we don't have all the answers to it. We don't have all the resources for it. We don't have connections for everybody that, that, that needs to be employed. We've got a tiny little spot of, 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 of the action in God's world. But we need to be people who are praying. Pray that the Lord would send workers into his field. And we don't know who they're going to be. I have a feeling that God's got his finger in some of our hearts. I, have a, I know that God's got his fingers in some of our brothers, young brothers and sisters in Zimbabwe. They just have this desire, I want to serve Jesus however I can. Praise God. But just hear this, and, and this, is, this, is, this is my call. This, this is a call that Jesus presents to us today. Friends, let us be people who pray earnestly, continually, holding on to the Lord, not wanting to let him go until he responds. Pray that the Lord would send workers, and those workers may be vocational workers, they may be from North America or from any part of this world, but they may well be people who get into homes in these neighborhoods that I as a missionary or Sean as a pastor or Jason or can't ever get into. But maybe God is putting you in a situation where you can in the midst of people who are in need, who need leading, who need light, who need the gift of God. God's got places for all of us. But let's not live this life with our eyes down here. What do we have to do? Where do we have to go? How do we make a living? Let's live our lives with our eyes up here, looking and understanding that we stand in God's harvest field. And that needs to be a very important, motivating part of the way we live and the way we work and the way we, the, the way we are. So what use can we make of this? I think the first is clear, and we've already said it, pray Pray, pray earnestly. 
Let that be part of the, let that be part of, of, of where we are when we approach God. Pray earnestly that he sends more workers. And then I think you and I need to consider what is our availability to the Lord's purpose. What is our availability to the Lord's purpose? Lord, where are we in this? Here I am, Lord. Dear Jesus, bless your word. Apply it to our hearts. And God, we just join together right now as a band of of fellow Christians, and we appeal to you, Lord of the harvest, won't you please send out workers? We need workers. We need more people, Lord, with the light of Christ in the Zambezi Delta. We need more people in our neighborhoods and in our families. Bring them, Lord. Please. Thank you, Lord. Amen.